Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Good Life Podcast with Mike Safosnik. Once again, coming to you live from Jack Dempsey's Bar, located at 36 West 33rd Street, around the corner from the Empire State Building. Before I get to today's guests, I just want to thank everyone who has listened to and subscribed to my podcast. It can be found on iTunes or any podcast app by searching Mike Sappho. I'm going to try something a little different today with the podcast, guest-wise. Uh, my last four shows had totally different guests, from football with Bengals offensive lineman Eric Winston, basketball talk with Kentucky legend Jack Goose Givens, traveling with the youngest person to visit every country in the world, Henrik Jeppesen, and then crime with serial killer author Harold Schechter. Well, I should say author of serial killers. He's not a serial killer and an author. Um, for the first time, I'll be interviewing a comedian. I met her almost 14 years ago while she was working on the corner in Times Square. That's the truth. Yeah, that sounds horrible, though. <laughs> Welcome to the show, my favorite cat-loving comedian, Liz Mealy. What's up, Liz? Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> 13 and a half years we haven't met. We haven't seen each other. Yeah, no, and I think you even just tweeted at me, what, like a year ago? So really, like, no, like didn't talk to you. Like, I remember when you followed me on Twitter, and I was like, this guy. <laughs> oh, <you're> <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's the expression everyone gets. Like, oh, I got a new follow, and oh, it's my oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he... he Okay. So while while I just saw you, you said, well, I remember we went on a date. So wait, tell everybody how we met. We met on the corner. Yeah. So I, so when I started, so this, you know, I was, I mean, I started when I was doing up when I was 16, but from 16 to 19, I would hand out flyers in Times Square for stage time. So you got a little bit of money if people came in with your flyers. So it was a little bit like a part-time job, but the, when you're a new comic, uh, doing open mics and doing these kind of almost like tasks are a way for you to get stage time because you're not funny yet. So um, I used to hand out flyers in Times Square for an hour, and then I would be able to do seven minutes on stage. So I was I would do it. I mean, I was in college, so I would go to school, and then I would do my homework at the bar <laughs> in between shows, and I would hand out flyers for an hour. And, and, here's, and here's how we met. So without everyone knows what I do anyway for work. So I was like brand new at work. Yeah. And they're like, oh, go work in Times Square on the corner. And there was a million tourists here, but there was this really pretty girl standing there. I also saw Liz in the <laughs> also. And she was handing out flyers. And I would try to, like, slowly creep on her. So I'm like, oh, do you want me to hand out flyers with you? And this is the truth. I'd be working, and people are like, you're in uniform just handing – what's he, like, your pr-? So people didn't even think I was, like, a yeah, real yeah. worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would be handing out flyers. Yeah, yeah. And then you just – It was nice because you have to understand, like, for – Every every almost every single night, I was doing it th- at least three to four hours a night, and it sucked and it was horrible and it hurt. And it was just nice to have a friend. I became friends with like a homeless guy, like you know what I mean. Like I clearly my caliber of friendship was very low at that time in my life. Me and a homeless guy, <laughs> you were digging in. The, oh my god! But he's I mean he's still a good friend. I mean he got out of homelessness. He now lives in Seattle. He's a very nice guy. Um, but I I I welcomed people talking to me and and even like comics like you would try to like do it back to back and like talk to each other while hanging because it was just demoralizing and exhausting and like cold half the time like it was just horrible hey you want to laugh like you would be like really corny and hand it out that's why i had to help you out you weren't funny back then no i'm still not so this is really boring (laughs) but now let me ask you because i actually don't remember this but how'd we end up going on a date i don't remember how it happened that part i don't i remember the date how memorable was it for you? It was the worst date I've ever had. <laughs> I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I'm 31 years old now. Oh, okay. And I've been on some bad dates. Okay. You were my worst date I've ever been on. Okay. Ever. Okay, I'm going to I'm you. not exaggerating. No, no. I remember. I'll tell you what That's I That's why when you followed me on Twitter, I was like, "Oh, oh god." Oh, no, don't really. <laughs> 
and I, you've I, been very nice since and, I e- and i'm here and i emailed you too i came off like really creepy i think then. no no you wait when when you were younger no 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 I'm super no, you came now. off. No, 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 you came off as a douche when you were younger. Yeah. <laughs> like a douche. Wa- okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I don't remember how we, obviously we were talking because we'd work on the corner together. Yeah, yeah. Every remember. time you say work on the corner, I just want to specify that I'm a comedian. Oh. <laughs> and I've always been a comedian. Yes, with the homeless man. <laughs> yeah, she was working as a comedian on yeah. the corner. And I don't remember how we started texting, but I remember I asked you to go out. Yeah. Like drinks or food or whatever. Yeah. And I remember I, I had this like, the, no one wanted to come with me. And I was actually really nervous, <laughs> and I was 21. And here's what the worst thing is: like you were kind of cool. I know you don't think you were. <laughs> this is like therapy session. So, but I had like all these tourist chicks that would hit on me. I'm like, Psh, this is so easy. I'm the man. So I kind of thought I was like the shit back then. So yeah. I, with you. I told my boy, dude, we're gonna go out. We'll go hang out with this chick. But I remember we went back to your apartment though, didn't we? So th- do you want me? To tell you, do you want me to tell you the full story? Yeah, you remember the? Full oh, story. I know the full story. Okay. I, but that's part of it. All right, go with it. Who cares? Okay, so this is so this is the full story. I just remember you asked me out, and that we were going to meet up with friends. So we met up first at a bar, in the village. In the village, down the hatch. Yeah, but keep in mind, I'm 19. Yeah, you. So were. Oh, I had to get you in. Yeah. Oh so I'm 19 years old. So we like go to this bar and we like meet up with your friends, but then your friends wanted to like meet up with other friends. So mm-hmm. then we went to like Chinatown and we went to. Um, Literally, we went to Chinatown, and it's all these friends and their wives and serious girlfriends, and this is a first date. So already, I'm 19 years old. I can probably count on one hand how many dates I've been on, and I'm like, what is this? This is super uncomfortable and super intense. So we're, like, sitting around, but, like, this is, like, super unexpected, and everybody knows each other, and everybody's laughing, and I'm just kind of like, what is this? So then, after that, they decide that they want to go to a bar. But these guys are drunk. Like, we are in the middle. Like, this is not the beginning of their night. This is the middle towards the end of their night. And so they're drunk. And he, I don't even know if you were drunk or you were just, like, egged on by your friends. Mm -hmm. But we go outside. They start throwing trash at each other. They start picking up trash. Yeah, I was sober, by the way. Picking up trash and throwing at each I'm other. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, now, did you still want me on the podcast? They start throwing trash at each other, and I was like, and they're being rambunctious and they're being crazy, and I'm so uncomfortable that I just leave. I get in a cab and I leave. I was. Okay, I I, rem- I remember this. I'll tell you what happened. We were on the date. No, no, I, I can't justify my horrendous behavior. And then, like, I, I didn't think it was very serious. <laughs> all my friend, no, no all, remember I can't. Scared. I, I was, I, I'm a tiny person. Can we refer? Like I'm still as tiny as I was know, when I'm super little. I hate <laughs> that. I was 21, and all my friends were older. So like, oh, let's go meet up. Let's meet up, and that's what happened. But I, I'm gonna that's tell, so intense. Uh, it is. They're all like married and have wives, and they're all know each other. Well, maybe and I tried I, to propose that night. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so this is what happens. So you guys are throwing trash. You're being crazy. I'm, like, super – I'm, like, I don't ever want to be around anybody like this. So I get in a cab, and I start heading home because I was, like, super scared, and I was, like, what is this? He gets in a cab and follows me. No, 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 no. I don't – I think I next told you. I think you – because I went back to your apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Goes back to my apartment, and I'm just, like, so confused. And you're, like, apologizing, and you're, like, I'm sorry. But you are drunk. I do remember you being drunk because you were a mess. Let's backtrack because I don't think I I was just apologizing because I wanted to show you a good time. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) 
So he's he's like apologizing profusely. I'm like, dude, this is like uncomfortable and crazy. He's like, let me up, let me up. And we end up just like making out in my dorm, by the way, making out in my dorm. But he's like so like aggressive, and I'm just like, no. And I think I sent you home. Oh no, you you sent me home bad. I remember we were French kissing. Yeah. And then <laughs> so, I th- I think my hand might have roamed somewhere, and you're like, that's it, let's go. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. I think I took my shirt. You're like, no, seriously, get out. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And then I, I remember I went to work, and I'm like, um. Boss, can you like? I don't want to work on that corner <laughs> anywhere. I did. I had to avoid it. And you know what the worst part was? A few years later, your name came up. We were just talking about like the people we worked together with in Times Square. And I looked you up. I'm like, oh, wow, she's doing really good as a comedian. I can't email her. I'm like, because I didn't know what. It's crazy that you knew my name. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know if I, I think I just, you know, pushed that down yeah, you as, far, as <laughs> far as possible. All right, so let's get off the date thing. Um, <laughs> Worst, so worst date of my entire really? life. Yeah. That does sound, you made it sound pretty bad. No, 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 it was. I'm not exaggerating any of that. Like, I, if anything, if people were there and sold the details, they would, they would be like, oh my God. Why'd you French kiss me? I was, I just didn't know what was happening. It was just like. <laughs> you just wanted to shut me you up. Like, you like showed up and I was like, I was, you were cute and you were nice, but you turned into this weird trash throwing monster. <laughs> So you have to understand, like, I'm this 19-year-old girl, and this guy has always been sweet and nice, and then I go on this horrific date, and I haven't even been on that many dates, and I'm like, well, maybe he'll be nicer, and then you just weren't. You were just crazy, and then I was like, never again, never again. Growing up in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you become a lesbian, Liz? Was it that day? It was that day. Two days later, you followed WNBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When was it? But yeah, I mean, it's so funny to me because even now I'm 31, I'm single. I don't even date that much. Drop be- in hints? Yeah, so. no, never, never again, buddy. I've learned one thing. Don't make t- the mistake twice. Um, no, I just, I mean, I'm not some, because I travel so much, because I have a stricter um, uh, uh, reviewing policy of boys now. You're um, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't allow, I I don't allow that stuff to happen. Like I, you really did scare the shit out of me. Oh, come on. Don't yeah. Me. Cause you also have to understand you're, yeah. you're in a position of power yeah. as yeah. well. And I'm, out. and I'm a tiny person. Yeah, I was working out a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like for no, me, I, I, I do understand. for me, I'm a tiny person that works at night and I really have spent most of my life just being like, Ugh. and so if anything scares me like that, I don't, I don't never again. So never. no sanitation workers ever. Ever. Don't, yes. Yeah. Ever. Just, they all smell like fish. Let me, when you meet, do meet somebody, when you decide to finally, after the three-hour review process, yeah. and you tell them you're a comedian, do you feel like instantaneously they're like, okay, be funny? Like, is, is that always the next step? Well, keep in mind, now it's actually, the last couple of years has been the weirdest time to date because people just know. And people, and I have an album. I have YouTube. I, am, I have viral videos online. I've been on television. I mean, I remember I joined uh, OK Cupid uh, five years ago after a really bad breakup. And I was looking for you. And <laughs> and this kid. So keep in mind, I joined OK Cupid. I'm really uncomfortable. This is not something I want to do. This kid writes to me. I had been on Comedy Central, and he goes, "Oh man, I saw you on Comedy Central. You were amazing." And I was like, "Oh, thanks so much." And then he never hit on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I'm flat. Change all my pictures. Hey, dude, 
you're not hot. You have 30 catfishes, yeah. but hey, you're funny as yeah, hell. Yeah, and it was weird because I've always taken pride in my stand-up. And it was one of the first times I'm like really lonely. I had just gotten dumped. I had lived with this guy. We had been together for three years. And somebody's like, you're really funny. And I was like, and? <laughs> and then nothing. And... But that's been the weirdest part of, like, the last couple of guys I've dated have known this absorbent amount about me because of my stand-up. But then they also confuse, even though my jokes are really personal and I, I wrote those jokes and, and they come from a factual place, it isn't me. It's, it's always an embellishment and it's a character. And also, my jokes actually help me grow. So if I'm writing about something, usually the process of writing it makes me a kind of a better person or understand myself better. And I'm not really that person anymore. So when you watch a clip of mine from six years ago, you're watching a past version of myself and then putting it back onto me mm-hmm. as person i am now so it's just weird because like i dated this one guy um are you trying to make me jealous of all the dating stuff yeah. i'm just curious <laughs> but i dated this one guy that i he was a teacher and i spoke at his um his first class he was a high school teacher and um a year after like i spoke at his class twice and then i was gonna speak at it a third time and he asked me out and he knew all my stand-up and he was a fan of mine and it starts oh, to become creepy, isn't it? it's not creepy but it starts <clears throat> to be like you now have to live up to this version of yourself that you never will because i'm not always going to be funny and i am sad a lot of the times and I, you know those jokes are written over the matter of months but when the thing actually happens i'm a crazy bitch <laughs> like you know what i mean so if something bad happens to me i react like anybody else does but then i process it and i write a joke and you know it's you know everybody's funnier on twitter than they are in real because they're able to like write it out and stuff like that so like i mean i'm a funny person but at the same time i'm still human and now they have to get to know that human side and it's it's a disappointment so i really do feel like it's i mean not to compare myself to beyonce but you know everybody wants to hang out with sasha fierce but the truth of the matter is beyonce is a different person you know what i mean her sasha fierce is her stage name oh sorry i know you're a boy the girls in the room got it i, I looked at the girls i'm like girls quick quick who's this but you know what i mean chick? she gave her stage presence it's uh, its own name because you do feel more confident and you do feel prettier and you do feel smarter but then when you are who you are you're in sweatpants not wearing makeup and feeling like an idiot so you know it's harder with all your cats right with all my cats i have one cat but i always tell people it feels like i have several like i have the personality of someone who has several um so for me it's just that's been the hardest thing in the last couple of years dating is is that there's almost two versions of myself that people have to get to know and they get to know the cooler one way before they get to know me. So it's like a feeling of always having to be on. Like you always have to be... I don't always feel like I have to be on, but I I, I feel like I have to um, uh, be amazing. Like not, and when I say amazing, like... This, the like think of a celebrity like they say they can't go and buy eggs without makeup on because then they're in you know the the magazines looking like they're like oh what happened to Jennifer Aniston looks like she let herself go it's like no she she she's a person she's you know what I mean you're not gonna always be wearing five pounds of makeup so it's it's not that, that it's like it's not the same caliber but it does feel like I I you know I do a lot of shitty gigs I you know I'm still stressed about money I you know I have good months and I have bad months I have good days and I have bad days but you know what is put out there just like Facebook is a great example everybody's kind of living this double life a little bit with Facebook where you know I'm hanging out with my boyfriend and everything's great and isn't my family amazing and my dog never pees where it's not supposed to and everything's great and then the reality is is all the in between is life Dude, that's why I don't do Facebook and Instagram it's like a fake that's your phony life like yeah I, I'll tell you this I was at a wedding and uh, whatever I'll tell the story my cousin and her husband are having the biggest fight in the history of the world yeah like he was out there crying F him that then it was my grandparents like 65th wedding he took a picture like hope this is us I'm like 
bitch, you're out there fighting with yeah. him. Like, you just wished he died. Dude, uh, I, yeah. dude, I have a joke about it because I saw this study. There's literally mm. a study that says when, when you see pictures of people constantly, like, me and my boyfriend are the greatest. We've always, like, they're constantly posting it. Or you're like, me and my sister, who I've always loved her. When it's constant, usually they're having they're having problems. And by putting it out there, they're trying to, to convince themselves that it's going to be okay or whatever. And I've seen it with my friends. Like, I have a girlfriend. Like, I mean, they just broke up. But like for three years all they did was fight and she would tell i'm her friend she would tell me oh he said this he said that i can't believe he did this for three years and then i'd see on facebook cheek to cheek we just had the best weekend ever i was like bitch you said you fought and cried the whole time she would have a fight with her sister same thing she's like we are thicker than blood is thicker than water you're just like what are you talking about and it's okay don't get me wrong like you put that shit out there but at least know in your heart that that's that's actually not Don't be so disingenuous like yeah. when, when we went on our date i put a picture of the garbage i'm like hey yeah yeah this is gonna get thrown <laughs> i'm throwing this, this is, shit i man i wish social media was a thing back then because just, because i would i would went viral it oh would've. my god like, i would have been insta feed this guy's a crazy <laughs> piece of shit <laughs> worst date ever it's just me on a sidewalk if i di- if i die this is what he looks like everybody <laughs> Sorry, I had to duck as garbage is getting yeah, thrown yeah, in Chinatown. Yeah. So it's probably Chinatown Do you know garbage? how broke I was? I took a cab home. I want that money back. I got you. <laughs> I got you. You French kiss. It even out. I don't know if it was good. I don't remember. Oh, no, it, it was, come on. It you was were good. probably pretty drunk. All right. Let's, all right. <laughs> Gro- growing up in New Jersey. No. <laughs> so as a Jerseyite, how do you feel? <laughs> let's speed you. No, I actually do want to ask the generic question. I know. Yeah. Because I have to ask. You came to the city. You said it 17 or 18. Yeah, 18. Hot. Um, <laughs> no, but you, you did say you – I remember when I talked to you, you started, like, really young. I started when I was 16. That's, like, a ballsy move for a 16-year-old to want to do stand-up. What was – there had to be one moment, or is there one thing that, like, I want to be a funny person? Well, that's the weird thing is, like, I, I always knew I wanted to be funny. I just didn't have an outlet for it. So I always wanted to be, like, Sandra Bullock. Like, she was – 90s Sandra Bullock, where she was doing Pratt Falls and everybody thought she was cool and she had good hair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but at the same time – I don't know if you've ever felt this. It's almost like like with dating where you're like, this person's great, but for some reason I don't feel this full connection and you can't put your finger on it. It felt like that with wanting to be an actress, a, like a comedic actress. I wanted to do it because I wanted the attention and I wanted to be funny, but it didn't, it, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't actually want to act. That's not how I wanted the attention. And then when I was 13, I discovered stand-up and I was like, oh my who'd God. You, who'd you discover? Who was the person I you actually watched? don't remember who it was. I think it was HBO or Comedy Central. I just saw somebody talking and I discovered this thing called stand-up and I became obsessed and I mean obsessed like any anytime there was stand-up I would record it on VHS and then I would watch it and all the people I liked I would then watch them over and over again and I would look their names up and I would see if they had a book or if they had specials then I would go over to my girlfriend's house and I would play them my favorite jokes and I would quote them all the time I had no friends yeah. I would quote <laughs> all of this I mean Paula Poundstone was always on Comedy Central when I was a kid so I quoted Paula Poundstone nonstop. people that are now famous um, you know I just I was watching them when they were on Comedy Central when I was 14 15 years old like underground yeah like jim gaffigan um you know louis ck bill burr greg giraldo um i mean the list goes on wanda sykes um it's just like i would watch these people have these little mini special like i now know that they were nobody's then but in my mind they were like famous and i just wanted to be like them and i i would watch them over and over again and i started writing so when i was 14 years old i started writing and i would see like my friends in the hallway and i would ask them to tell me if they thought stuff was funny and then um when i was 15 um my friend um my she's still one of my best friends she was working in town 
at a toy store and the manager had dropped out of high school and he was a stand-up comic. Now, now I know he'd been doing it for a year and he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> but in my mind, he was, I think he was 17 years old. I was 15. He was doing stand-up and he was, he was doing it. So I would meet up with him and he would look at my jokes and he would encourage me. And he was the one, I always thought like I would have to wait until I was 25. Like I just thought I had, but he was like, oh no, you can do it now. You just go to an open mic and da da da. And he was the one that kind of helped me cultivate my sh my show and I did stand up for the first time at 16. How do you just go on stage as a 16 year old? Because people now are, to this day, people, the biggest fear in life is public speaking. As a 16 year old, why were you so confident that you just like, oh, I'm gonna go on stage and try to be funny and make people laugh? I don't think it was confidence. I think, <clears throat> I mean, nobody ever likes this answer when I say it, but I truthfully mean it. I, I was really sad. I was really sad and I hated my life. And when you already don't like your life, and people already don't seem to like you, there's not really any risk. You know what I mean? So like, think of it this way. Like, people are scared of public speaking because they're scared to embarrass themselves or say something wrong or do the wrong thing. But I spent my whole life being yelled at and told that I did the wrong thing and that I, I, I wasn't important. So why, if, if the people that are supposed to love me and care for me aren't giving me the positive attention, mm -hmm. getting it negatively somewhere else isn't that big of a fear, is it? So I wanted to that's do it. First, that's a good answer. Yeah, and I wanted to do it. I was excited about it, and the 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 downside of it didn't seem that bad. It already was bad. And were they not going to laugh? Okay, I'll walk yeah. off and, and my again. friends, who you know, was it was a budding friendship. I, I I mean, I just met them when I was fourteen. I mean, they were encouraging, and they were the first people in my life to be encouraging. And nobody ever told me I was funny. By the way, I was told no I was has annoying. Said it since either. Yeah, no, think, exactly. Yeah. I, Except that one guy should, I know, KQ. Yeah, you should read my YouTube comments. God, oh, nobody still thinks I'm funny. But, um, <laughs> but no, everybody said I was annoying. I was told I was annoying. So it was one of those things where I was like, well, I might as well see what I can do. And so, I mean, the first time I did it, I did it at the Comedy Cellar open mic when I was 16 years old. In the village, that's crazy. In the village, and I got laughs. And to me, and I read. You have to understand, I'm a, I'm a, I'm still like this i'm a researcher like if somebody says they have an ear infection i go and research how somebody gets an ear infection what they can do like i'm a researcher so when i wanted to do stand-up i read this is before podcasts and shit i read every memoir of every comedian every book about comedy every, i read everything and i knew before i even started that it took 10 years to find your voice that it was a long journey that you didn't make a lot of money that it was a lonely lifestyle i knew all the negative things about it and i still wanted to do it and i went in not thinking i was going to do it and people are going to praise me I went in knowing that it was going to be really hard and I probably wasn't going to make it, but I just wanted to try it and make people laugh and it didn't feel like a risk. Was your family cool with it? And even your friends, I can't, I'm, what part of Jersey are you from? Uh, Central Jersey, right outside of Princeton. Okay. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go to New York City now and so hand my out flyers. So my friends came, this is the coolest <coughs> part. So I was just in Europe and um, I was in Europe for four months touring and my, I dropped my cat off and my car off with my mom. And so I text my mom to be like, hey, I'll come get my cat in my car next week. She goes, good, we're moving. All your, She goes, oh, your childhood's in the garage. Please take it with you. <laughs> so, Thanks, so mom. Yeah, my mom's so funny. So we're in the garage, and I'm starting to go through some of the stuff. And that's actually the funnest part about going, like, what am I going to throw out? I find this box, 
and this is crazy. I, ha- I have video of it. There's an itinerary from the weekend I did stand up for the first time. So it was spring break 2002. I was 16. I was in the 11th grade. And my girlfriend, Amanda, she's now she's now like makes the most money out of all of us and like works as charity. She's just like she's just a badass. I mean, she's like got all the degrees and just the smartest person I know. She has been a serial killer organized person since I've known her. So this itinerary is unreal. It is itinerary for three days. We're going to New York. We're staying with her aunt in Brooklyn every day. Every hour is mapped out what we're going to do. That's how I. How much money we needed for each day, how much money we needed for the whole weekend, where we were going to be, when my when her aunt was going to pick us up. So it was planned for months that I was going to do stand-up for the first time, and it was a bringer show. So a bringer show is you have to bring, bring five paid guests. Mm-hmm. So um, my three girlfriends were coming, and then my other friend and her mom were coming, and those were my five guests that were coming. But everything – and I, I was organized, but not like that. So you see on this itinerary, it's like where we had lunch. It's crazy that I still have this piece of paper. Where we had lunch, <coughs> where like what time we got to the – that's insane yeah and like i have some pictures from that weekend and stuff but i was like this is unreal like this is uh, it'll be 15 years in march since i've been doing stand-up and it's like that's the the, the start of it that's the yeah start of the is, and i have the itinerary which the fact that i even have an itinerary no, that's the greatest thing i ever. mean but you can even tell like i was this organized person and i made friends with these crazy organized people like and your I, little ocd world together oh yeah oh my god we clearly <laughs> all have anxiety and ocd and we just didn't know it and that's what like bonded us together but it's 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 funny to me i mean so we lied i i mean my parents didn't know i was going to new york city my parents didn't know i was doing stand-up and i lied about it for um a couple of months and then I finally told my parents I was doing it and they were supportive but then they started making me have a chaperone and I was really resentful of it even though keep in mind I'm a tiny 16 year old girl telling jokes late at night in New York City a year after the terrorist attacks and I'm like get off my back mom you're so overprotective I can protect myself yeah 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 all I need is like literally some kung fu moves and I'll be fine but it's funny, I was really like back off and now I look back and I'm like, I can't believe my parents let me do that. Like I cannot believe they let me do it. Talking about and I went every, and every single so I did it for the first time and then every single weekend I would take I would take New Jersey Transit and I would do it you, every weekend. You're small now, but you were super small. Oh yeah. The flyer. Oh, I still I still so look young. like I'm 16. Yeah. Like I've literally not. I still have acne. It's like <laughs> I'm still fully a 16 year old girl. But I, it was crazy to me because my parents never told me I couldn't or I shouldn't. They just wanted me to be safe. And like, and I wouldn't let that. My dad didn't see me. My dad and parent, my parents didn't let me, didn't see me do stand up until six years in when I was on Comedy Central for the first time. And now my mom sees me all the time. My dad has only seen me like three times because he doesn't like that I curse or that yeah, I'm dirty. Yeah. He acknowledges that I am though. Like he went to go, he was in LA with my little sister and he saw a couple of movies with her and he goes, we saw like bad moms. He's like, it's totally your style. It's super raunchy and da da da. And I was like, I'm not raunchy. I was like, I'm not like humping stools, dad. I just fucking, I, t- I talk about my life and I say fuck once in a while. But my dad like literally thinks that I'm like having sex on stage. Like that's how he talks about my stand up. We, we almost had a plan for tonight. Not with, not with me. Not with me because I won't, I won't date you again. I, I, I don't recycle. Yeah, because you, you do better. You can do better. No, I can't do better. I'm <laughs> Is it? Because I actually have a few actual comic questions. Is it hard to be a pretty girl in it in a male-dominated kind of profession? Because most of the bigger names are males. Is it? Well, I mean, first of all, it's not true anymore. Okay. Um, I I think there are um, so there's a couple barriers. The first barrier was my age mm-hmm. and and the fact that I I 
like I said, I'm 31 and people still think I'm 21. Like it's still kind of a problem both in life and in stand-up. In some ways, I have a theory about being a female comic, which is the first half of your career, it's much harder. But if you get over the hump and you are funny and people start uh, paying attention to you, it is um, much easier to be to be female. It's much easier to be attractive. It's much easier to look younger. But in the beginning, they're all um, it's all a hindrance because people stand up is an art form of knowledge and opinions. And a 16 year old girl that seems like everything's working out for her. Do you really care about her opinions? Yeah. Does she really seem like she's lived a life? Is she worldly at all? Man? Exactly. So you're so right there. That's the age is right there. Attraction. I mean, I never like. I'm slowly learning to feel like I'm an attractive person. It's called therapy and self esteem. I'm trying it on for a little bit. Okay. But I've never felt attractive, and so when you don't feel attractive, you don't walk around thinking you're attractive, and you don't see the the, your world through the lens of being attractive so it is a perception so if life is about if, if comedy is about your perception and how you take in information I never took it in as people should be in awe of me or people should think I'm attractive I took it in as somebody that always wanted to be really small and be invisible and somebody that didn't think anybody was really looking at them so I understand, and I, d I dress that way as well. I've always dressed like a tomboy. I've always, I mean, I'm wearing a cat shirt. Yeah, and, I see that. And I, <laughs> I don't know how the guys aren't flocking to yeah, you with yeah, that shirt yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm wearing a baseball cat, a cat shirt, and chucks. Like, I mean, I've, I've always tried to kind of just, like, blend in, mm. and I, I don't actually like people looking at my butt. I'm actually starting to get better. I've worn dresses on stage for the first time in my life the, this summer. Not even this year, this summer. Because a part of me was like, it's fucking 90 degrees, and if I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go. But I used to... Go do shows, change in a bathroom, and then go on dates. Like, that's because I was so, like, I don't want people to know I'm a woman. Um, and, and I would always not, I wouldn't, like, go on looking homeless. But some people had the opinion that I went on looking homeless. With your homeless friend from Seattle. Yeah, exactly. So, so then you have being a woman. So you have young, you mm -hmm. have attract attractive, and then you have being a woman. And to this day, I still have people come up to me saying, you were really funny. I actually don't like female comics. And you want to know who says it the most? Oh. Women. Really? Women. And that's the bullshit of it because that's that's that weird thing where women don't even realize what they're saying, which is like you would – first of all, you would never go up to somebody and be like, I usually don't like black guys, but you're, you're a pretty good black guy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the, one of the most horrific things you could say to somebody. So why is it okay to say about a whole half a gender? Like, that's crazy. But also when it comes from women, there's not one woman I have ever met that wouldn't say their girlfriends are funny. Not one. Mm -hmm. So why is it that your girlfriends are funny to you, but when it's in a professional sense, all of a sudden every quality that makes them special That's and amazing gets wiped away? It's because this weird, this weird lie keeps getting pushed into people's minds, and they don't even realize that they're digesting this really misogynistic lie. And I always say, so whenever they say, are females funny, there is not one male comic that is a professional comic that would say women aren't funny. Because the truth of the matter is just like you were if you were in the military and you would say, you know, can female troops be just as uh, strategic? Good, yeah. yeah, just as strategic and have a good eye and just as strong and, and whatever it is that you have to be in the military. No one would say they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. There's always exceptions to every rule. There's always going to be some guy that can't keep his shit together. There's always going to be some you woman that really can't keep answers. his shit together. Did you read my questions beforehand yeah <laughs> those are good answers. Um, but but that's what i'm saying so so there so there are hindrances so now as somebody that's kind of 
getting over that hump and I'm doing more TV and I'm um, have I have a fan base it it does have its positivities and I I do see some of its benefits and I am an I'm even embracing the fact that I am a woman and I have I'm very I'm fem, I'm a feminist I'm I have strong opinions about how women should be treated on and off stage and I am healthy enough to respect my opinions and know that not everybody is going to believe in them and be okay when I don't have people that agree with me or think I'm funny because that's the other thing it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a male or any kind of um, uh, sexual preference or, 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 or race you you have opinions you have thoughts you have what you think is funny and not everybody's going to feel that way and as you let that go and realize that really doing stand-up is just looking for your people it becomes this place of it's not am I funny or am I not funny it's who's emotionally open enough to listen to my my perspective and my opinions now you said now that <clears throat> you went over the hump now because you are now on Comedy Central when you go on YouTube there's a million videos of you there's a one viral video of you yelling at the guy and stuff yeah. you just went to Europe like how do do you feel it? not that you made it because that would be silly but like what an accomplishment like starting off handing out flyers and you were just in I wrote down you were in Cuba London Sweden Doing comedy, like, do you yeah. get nervous going over that? Maybe your one, your jokes won't translate. Yeah. And two, is that just like a whirlwind? Like, hey, you're going away for the next few months to go tour Europe? Is that like surreal? Oh, it's very surreal. I started touring Europe like three years ago, but this was my biggest tour, and it was almost in three sections. So I did a military tour for a month that was Cuba, Italy, Egypt, Turkey, and Jordan. Then I was um, based kind of in London for six weeks, but I was in Sweden, Belgium, and then I would tour all over the UK. And then I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland for a month and literally did my hour every single night um, and and as well as small, other small showcase shows. So it was um, really exciting, but I've never been away from home for three and a half months before. Um, I've, I've never uh, done my hour 25 times in a row in a country I've never been before. Um, there were so many new experiences about this and... Um, it, it was scary, but I think because I now this was my fourth tour because I now know that, um, you know, the first time I went over there, I was like, yeah, is my stuff going to translate? But I mean, we're fortunate, um, Especially as in like Egypt and Turkey and stuff. Cause well, those were, that's a military tour. So the first, okay, okay, okay. yeah. So the, the thing about the military tour is you're performing for us troops on bases. The, oh, that's really cool. We share a lot of bases with Australians. So I did actually perform for some Australians, but that's both easier and harder in a lot of ways because, um, these guys, um, are from all over the country, but they, you know, these are really kind of testosterone-y, you know, haven't been home, you know, probably see me as a piece of meat kind of show. They better not, son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. But, and some of them were incredible, but some of them I didn't have good shows, and they, I wasn't what they wanted to hear, and I do have a, not a strategically, strategically women's perspective, but you have to be a little open to listen to me, and if you don't want to or you weren't raised to, you don't. You're going to dis- dismiss you. Yeah, you're going to dismiss me before I even say anything. So I had some really good shows out there. I had some okay shows out there, but really when I go to Europe, so like my favorite place to ever perform is the Netherlands. I did four oh, cities. Oh, the, great, yeah. They're incredible, though, but I was like, I was in Utrecht, um, and the Hoven and the Hyven, I always say it wrong. Um, uh, Rotterdam and Amsterdam, and they were the best. Like one of the coolest countries I've ever been to, um, and just one of the best audiences. And how clean is it too, by the way? Oh my god, it's it, ridiculous. Everybody's on a uncom- fucking bike. It's like being in the Beauty and the Beast. It's, it's like uncom- no, you get hit by the bikes. No one drives, dude. But it's weird. It's insane. They're all so I'm really short. They're all like six five, blonde hair. Blue eyes, riding a bike, reading a book, n- like smoking a cigarette that doesn't have smoke for some reason. Like they're just the perfect, healthiest, perfect nice shape. They oh ride my, the bikes everywhere. They're super yeah. nice. Like 
I went to go get a coffee and I was like, I was asking him a question and he, you would have thought I was like, literally like, like, I don't know. Um, green, like a green alien. He's like, oh my yeah, God, where yeah, are you from? Yeah, he's like, what can I do for you? And you're just like, Jesus. Um, especially when you're East Coast, New York City, you're just like, all right, are you a serial killer? Like, why are you guys are so you nice? Are you taking on garbage? Yeah, 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 kill? yeah. Because I'm not, I'm, I don't recycle. <laughs> I don't recycle. Um, so, yeah, and like Sweden's amazing. I have, I have a really dark sense of humor. So I get scared sometimes that not what I'm talking like how I'm talking about some stuff is too rough for people and sometimes in London it is and sometimes overseas it is and even sometimes here it is but like I I'm very I it was it's weird going overseas has made me I'm not not only realize I'm American because you don't feel American you don't feel like we have a culture mm-hmm. until you leave oh, then everybody real all I do is travel everyone yeah realizes it right yeah, yeah so you find out you're American but even more importantly I'm I'm so East Coast and I'm so Jersey New York like and you I think they like me over there because they watch so much American television and so many of our movies and shows are based in New York City. Oh, New York I'm Jersey, like a, sure, yeah. I'm like a caricature. I don't even realize it because like somebody will say something I'm like ah go fuck yourself like you know what and I mean. They love it. And Dude, they make you say water, say that. Yeah, things. yeah, but it's so like I've had a couple of people say like I really like your accent and I was like go fuck yourself <laughs> like don't patronize me like. But it's they do like it's weird how like you are an anomaly to them in every single country. I've been in Luxembourg, like a country I didn't even know existed, and I got lost. And I went to like look at my phone to try to figure out how to get back to my hotel. I look up, there's a store called the New Yorker. You know what I mean? Everywhere you go, they're obsessed with the New York. So that's the other thing is that while they might not like Americans, they love New York. It's funny you everywhere. I'm pretty sure ISIS is like New York is one of the greatest cities on earth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they hate they have to, that's why their bombs always mess up. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like we actually do really like it here. You guys make great falafels. Argentina, Colombia, Iceland, everywhere I've been recently, there's always a Brooklyn bar. In, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Brooklyn, and it, when I wear a Yankee hat there, like, yeah, yeah. you oh. really from New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, why? Like, yeah, I, I why? Go, <laughs> I go over it south. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Why? You, where you, been, you from? You been there? Oh, you yeah. been there? And they just have I Love New York shirts just for free in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> I bring New York memorabilia. I'm the creepy guy. Not anymore. <laughs> um, no, but I'm the creepy guy. Like in Argentina, I was in Buenos Aires, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're there. And you don't have to just say that you're the creepy guy. It's just known. It's Thanks, just, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, it is known. It is really. I come off creepy. Um, <laughs> and I was down there, and we, we, I was meeting people. My friends there all speak Spanish, and the girls there speak. Most of them speak English too. They take pride in it. So I'm like, oh, we're, hola. Like I would try <laughs> really bad Spanish. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, from New York. Oh, are you? Like, oh, and oh, you got it. You're like. Ring and hook. Yo, Ring yeah. and hook. Yeah, like, <laughs> baby, you want to get garbage thrown at you? Yeah, yeah, meet yeah. My friends. Girl, Come meet girl, my married friends. Girl. <laughs> Is there a, a venue or a place that you really want to play at? Like, I know you're doing all these European tours, and it's weird. Like, non-stalkers, I do go to your Twitter. You you are really, really funny on Twitter. You want to plug your Twitter, I think. People are going to see it anyway in the description of it. It's, it's all it's all good. You can plug your Twitter. It's, it, just in the middle of the interview? Yeah, why not? Sure. At Liz Mealy. At Mike Sappho. <laughs> 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 Um, such a <laughs> <laughs> is there because you do play like you just went on a european tour you were in egypt and then you play like a random place in brooklyn you play all over so yeah is there like a venue you really want to do or a show we just mentioned like opie and jim in the morning is there a show you want to do or a venue like i want to do here you wear carolines and stuff right you yeah i do i'm like i would say the clubs i work the most here is like carolines um stand up new york um I don't know. I'm at the stand a fair amount. Like it's. I mean, it all changes. I do a lot of shitty shows because I have actually learned to enjoy the shitty shows because they're the ones I can do new material so that I can go do 
great shows and That's be a polished. Comedy cellar, like you have all these good. You would just practice their stuff there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's funny that like if you're Dave Chappelle, the cellar is a shitty show because you do theaters, <laughs> but like I do shitty bars because <laughs> Caroline's is a good room for me. Like it's you know what I mean. It changes. So, but um. Honestly, I'm so this so I have an album out that I, I put out an album two years ago that was like my first hour I kind of publicly released and then I just I was touring um, in in Scotland working on my newest hour and instead of doing an album I'm trying to make it into a special okay. and so right now I'm trying to sell my special to somebody I mean I'm talking to CISO and HBO and Showtime and Netflix and so right now I'm looking for a home for it that it's less about places and more about um, getting my name out there. So for me to have a special, wherever it lands up, I really don't have um, my heart attached to what, you know, network or, right. or, or streaming site that it goes to. But I want to just continue to grow my fan base and continue to put my material out there. So like this hour is done. I'm already working on my third hour. So I, I just want to keep writing and keep growing my fan base and keep, making fans and by doing bigger things so like an album I self-released and it's on you know Pandora and Spotify and, and iTunes and mm. all that shit but then to do a special you go on TV and it's now it's you reach a different audience or when you're on Sirius you reach a different audience or you know just like being in London you reach a different audience than being in the US I want to just keep expanding my audience so Bu building your brand yeah so like I mean really it's like places like I really want to perform in Japan and I really want to go to South Africa and oh, um, there next month. are you really mm -hmm. that's awesome I there's just places that I want to go and experience both culture um, just as a person but also um, do stand-up and and continue to meet people because what I've learned specifically about my stand-up is because I don't talk about location I talk about my experiences I'm really specific about my experiences but I really do think um, the more specific you are the more you connect with people because for me you know I hate I hate broad comedy. I call it watered down comedy. So it's like you can we can all be like you know in high school when you th and you're just like when you rode the bus and the, yeah the cool kids yeah the back. and it's like yeah you're gonna hit people but you're not saying anything. So for me there's no substance there. There's no substance. So you'll hit more people. But I actually think I hit less people, but I hit them harder, and and I have a stronger connection with them. And I actually say something to them, and I I want to. Just like when I was a teenager and I had no friends and I just wanted to connect with somebody, I think now as somebody that not only can have a deeper connection with friends and people I date, I, I want to have a deeper connection with my fans. And I don't want to just be like, remember when we were on the bus? I want to be like, all right, so your mom threw something at your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and actually talk about what it was like to be me and how I've gotten through it. And I think by doing that, I've inspired people and connected with people and also told them it's okay to be who you are because i've spent most of my not life not liking myself that's crazy you keep saying that that's like nuts that you keep saying that you didn't <laughs> like no really that you didn't like yourself because I've, I've never knew that like you seem we've so talked confident. twice <laughs> <laughs> that horrible date that you stuck your tongue in my mouth growing up in jersey <laughs> have you either been starstruck meeting somebody or seeing someone, like you do open mics, like you said. So sometimes someone might be in there. Have you been starstruck yet? Like, holy shit, that's so-and-so? Um, I mean, I met George Carlin when I was 19. I had lunch with him. So Just I, you and him? Yeah. I there's a, there's a lot of articles about it. I wrote to him when I was 15, and he called me. You have to tell that story. Everybody's heard that story. Oh, you, sorry. You should go Google that Well, I didn't shit. hear about it because you were 
too busy running out on the date. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. No, that's no, because first yeah, date story. Yeah, no. Well, if you weren't such a drunk mess, <laughs> if you weren't the uh, worst person, right. no, no, the worst person. No, I, that, please no, don't kill yourself that. after this. I'll feel really bad. My, mom, my mom's gonna be so upset. <laughs> All right, so tell me about the stupid George. No, t- that letter thing's kind of cool. Let me hear. It. I didn't no, hear. I wrote. So when I was fifteen, I wrote to uh, about forty comedians just asking for advice, and um, Judd Apatow emailed me. This is before like. Yeah, this was Freaks and Geeks Judd Apatow, okay. not, you know, 40-Year-Old Virgin and all the stuff he's done since. Uh, he emailed me back, and George Carlin, I wrote a letter, and he called me and gave me 10 minutes of advice and then told me I could I could write to him anytime I wanted. And so he gave me a signed headshot that said, go do it, because I hadn't done stand-up yet. And he um, always got back to my letters, and then he gave me and my friends free tickets to see him in New Brunswick. And then when I was 19, I asked if I could get lunch with him and miss pick his brain because I'd been doing stand-up for a while. Oh, when I knew you, I was written up in The New Yorker, and I sent him a copy of The New Yorker, and he called me to say thank you and that he really enjoyed it. Um, he sent me a copy of his book, a signed copy of his book. Um, and then so he, you had a real connection with George Carlin. Yeah, yeah. I, we probably talked on the phone maybe three or four times. I probably exchanged like four or five letters and maybe ten emails. You still have the letters? Yeah, I printed okay. them all out. and cool. I, I mean, all the emails, and I have all the letters. I have everything in a filing cabinet like a weirdo. Yeah, um, of course. But I, um, I, I really just I forget what the original question. You were meeting was. him for lunch. Oh yeah, but no, you said starstruck. So yeah, so I mean, I was nineteen, and, and oh, he's the god of that's he, like. I mean, but you know what? He had probably an even more profound influence on me than just stand up because he was a brilliant stand up and one of my favorites. And I will, I mean, I think there's not a comedy in the business, even if you don't like him, that isn't in awe of his capabilities and his reach. The kindest person I have ever met kindest yeah 19 year old girl person i ever and, and keep in mind he treated everyone like that like you would see it like even when we went to lunch um he needed something printed out he had something that wasn't memorized yet and he needed something printed out at the hotel and he um he asked the staff and they were like our printer's not working so we went to the other marriott and had them printed out and so he asked for that person's name and the guy that helped him and then he gave them free dvds and it wrote a hand wrote a thank you note like this is the type of person he was and so as somebody that is only now in the last couple of years getting fan emails and you know tweets from fans and all this stuff i mean i try to get back to everybody i mean if you creep me out i kind of keep my distance but if you are that's what took you so long to write back to exactly me. um but if you are genuine and thoughtful i always write a genuine thoughtful response back so it might be a tweet length but you know i've had young comics ask me for advice well, that's and my next question do younger female comics look up to you and be like hey you're an inspiration have you gotten that well i get it from all comics because you don't just have to have a vagina to appreciate no, my I know, humor it's not the girl um but you, but did, you, but did, but you started so young as a girl yeah i mean these are all facts. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I get a lot. Thanks for naming my bio. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, called I am a young girl with a vagina. Um, but no, I, I get a lot of I get a lot of emails from people that ask, you know, many know that I started when I was young, but also people know that I, the more impressive thing is that I'm still doing it and that I make a living. And what's even more impressive and kind of sad is I make a living while people don't know who I am. And that's really, people don't understand there's, there's open mics and there's famous people, but there's a whole middle class. We are the middle class. We are the middle class of comedy. You don't know who I am. I do a little bit of TV. I do the road, and I'm able to pay my bills. And that's the thing that people, whether you're a comic or not a comic, are in awe of. How do you do that? What, what, is, the, what is that process? So I get a lot of young comics being like, how do I get on stage and how do I write? But I get also a lot of comics I've been doing a couple of years and go, well, how do I ever quit my job? How do I ever make a life out of this? Do I want to live this life? And I always say no. 
you don't want to live really? this life. Oh, it's hard. It's really hard. Did you ever think about giving it up? Like, hey, this only once. Um, it was about four years ago. Um, this is the thing that people don't understand. Like, whenever somebody says what you do is brave, I don't think doing stand-up comedy is brave. I think there's so many other things that I think it's selfish, and I think it's, um, um, you know, I do it for me. Um, <laughs> do I try? To, uh, truthfully, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do, and my parents worry sick about me <laughs> because I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, so I think what I do is selfish, and I try outside of it to be less selfish because I live a selfish life. But um, I... I it's um i don't know the best way to say this like it's 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 not brave to do stand up it's brave to do stand up when nothing is encouraging you to keep doing it so the industry isn't saying you're funny you're not getting the gigs that you think you should be getting everyone in your community is moving past you and is getting on tv and is getting famous and you still do it so i lived in that realm where i still had a day job and I was, you know, auditions weren't going well or I wasn't getting auditions and I was still doing it. And so around 10 years in, things started to happen a little bit and I was getting closer to stuff. So, you know, in the beginning you do it, you do one audition, it doesn't work out. But then when you get better, you start to get callbacks and then you get second callbacks and you get third callbacks and then you don't get it. And that's... You've seen the progression. Yeah, you see the progression, but that hurts more. So it's the difference between a guy not calling you back after a second date and being left at the altar. What do you think hurts more? The altar. So at 10 years in, I desperately needed to have something bigger happen in my career so that I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. And I was closer and closer and closer. And too many rejections, too close, over your face. happened too quickly. And my brother was really sick at the time. And I just broke up with a boyfriend. And it was just, and I was at a place where I was like, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I should start listening and start and like I'm very fortunate that I have some incredible friends like my roommate at the time is just a brilliant comic. Um, all my friends were brilliant comics that were doing better than me that kept saying, no, it's going to happen. Just keep doing it. I don't know why this is happening to you, but you just have to get through it. And that's what I think is brave. I don't think doing something that you want to do is brave. I think doing it in the face of nobody in the face of adversity, basically. Yeah, but in the face of nobody no signs showing you that you should now do i think some people aren't funny and they should quit absolutely <laughs> but i had these minute signs that showed that i was funny and that people liked me but i didn't have any of these big you know here's your hbo special or you know here's your comedy central presents or here's all these road gigs thing and that's that's the only time i ever wanted to quit is i was like maybe i'll just be a personal trainer and people will be like oh you're really funny and i'll be like oh i could never like i wanted <laughs> to like please. just make up this whole life where i never did it because i it hurt me so much to not be able to do it the way i wanted to be doing it and not to have the success that i thought i deserved at the time now you're giving both answers i think you mentioned the loneliness what's the best part and the worst part about being a comedian and living the, like your lifestyle I mean, the best part is traveling the world and meeting new people and and touching people. Like, I mean, that sounds gross. Um, oh, oh, I was about to say, really? <laughs> so is this uh, any the, mo the molestation <laughs> must be the best part. Um, that's definitely on the high list. But, like, I, I get these really thoughtful emails. Like, people really like what I do and really connect to it on a level that is really beautiful. And as somebody, like I said, had trouble connecting with people, it's – I mean, it's really nice, and I'm always – it, it. I've never gotten an email that says you're really funny and you're amazing and it hasn't made my day. Um, and then, I mean, the hard part is it is lonely. I mean, I spend 
so much time by myself. Um, every day I'm writing emails and working on jokes and I'm in my room or in a cafe working by myself or in a hotel, depending on where I am. Then I'm driving hours or on a plane by myself. Then I'll do shows for an hour and maybe talk to a fans for like a half hour. And then if I don't know anybody in that city, I go and eat a burrito by myself in my hotel. Like, you know what I mean? So it's a lot of me by myself. And I've learned to take care of myself by not doing that but it's really hard so like certain cities that I continue to go to I really make a point to make friends with the local comics to make friends with maybe friends that from high school that moved to that area um I really tried to build up a support group wherever I go so London's become almost a second home because I've actively tried to make a friend base there just like I have in New York City and um it's it's spending so and I like being alone it's that's not the problem I work really well by myself but when I don't want to be by myself not having that option is really hard so I work at night I work on weekends when are all my friends out and about when I'm working so even when I have the opportunity to be human I'm always I'm always missing weddings I'm always missing birthday parties I'm always you know missing you know fourth of July parties I'm I'm never in town when everybody else is having moments and so that's been the hardest part is I, I would like to be my real goal in the next couple of years is to be financially stable enough that I can say no to gigs because I want to spend time with my friends and family could you say no to no gigs right because you I, have like random shows in like a small place in Brooklyn and then like upstate like you have shows just it random. is it you have to you have to be like the equivalent of a bad date throwing garbage at me kind of gig for me to say no to it. Do you want to do a gig in Chinatown? Yeah. With all these guys with their husbands' wives we on should, a first date. We should make a sketch reenacting how bad that date was. Are you asking me on a, <laughs> I'm asking asking you, me on a second date? On, on, on a sketch date. No. Oh. Second date, I heard, not sketch. So this second date we're going to go that on. That would be a really beautiful story where it's like 14 years later, 14 I give you a later. second chance, and you no, still turn out to I be the no. douche I always thought you were. We, that would be such a great reality show. 14 years later, we're both still alone. Dude, still I, think still we really, I think we really pitched something where it's like bad dates like recycled. and I'm then, so down to recycle the date. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then and then we like literally we had like a pre like – pre, like how do you think it's going to go? I'm like, he still looks like a douche. I think no. it's <laughs> – you said I was adorable, and you had such a crush on me, and you... When did I say any of off this? Off the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish I was recording it, because uh, yeah, so, It's so weird how none of that's true. <laughs> some of it's true. Some of it's true. Some of it's... Just say it's true, please. No, I can't okay, do that fine, for fine, you. Fine. You so, can... But I, I can see, like, this is edited later, and it's no, like, no, you no. doing, like, a Liz voice. You're like, she's, you're so adorable. Oh, that was the best thing yeah. I ever had in my life. Yeah, yeah. Swoon. <laughs> we made up whole night. Yeah. I, I didn't throw you out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love hand jobs. But <laughs> <laughs> I can say that in my own voice. <laughs> you don't have to edit that part. That's usually how this goes off. <laughs> okay, so we'll finish it up in a few minutes because I'm actually having a really good time with you. And I was nervous don't coming. Don't say it like that. Well, because I was, I was like a little nervous, like how I was going to translate the whole bringing up the date thing. And yeah, I'm like a really nice person. That's why I took you on a date. Oh, thank you. you and that's why I left you. <laughs> and that's why I followed you. And that's why you threw me out. <laughs> I hate that we started off so people are going to listen to it and just, oh, my God, what an asshole he is. He sounds so nice when he talks to everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the true Mike comes out. Yes. He would hand out flyers to me. I'm like, don't go to a show. I won't have yeah, to be lonely. Yeah, yeah. I'll take yeah, care yeah, of yeah. you. <laughs> so you're doing a show tonight, right? Because I said, uh, Not tonight. I'm gonna, I have a story. I have a, an audition, a storytelling show tomorrow, so I'm going to go practice this story. Auditions for what? Uh, True TV. Doing what? I like panel stuff. It's you do stand up, and they try to decide, 
to dissect if they want you to be on their television shows. I don't really know. I don't really care. Just go anywhere they tell I'll be you honest. Know. I'm more nervous for the storytelling show because I just started doing storytelling a couple years ago. And while my story is funny, it's also um, uh, about my brother getting sick and something that's really important to me. Okay. And so I'm doing a 10 minute story I've never done publicly about a subject I've never really talked about um, uh, to an audience. And then it's going to be a podcast. And it's like a really big podcast. What, uh, where are you doing the storytelling? Is it the Bell House in okay. uh, Brooklyn? Would you, would you just tell I'm not a I'm, story. Like I'm telling a 10 minute story about my brother has bipolar one. Okay. So it's about my brother losing his mind. That's like intense. Yeah. But it's pretty funny. <laughs> no. Do you, do you try to make it funny? So I have. I So my brother's doing right. Doing well right now. Today. For today. Yeah. That's I mean, what? he's been he hasn't had a psychotic break in eight months. Um, so and I'm really close to my brother. That's what the story is about. He's like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it was. Uh, I always ask him. I have a joke in my new hour about him. I have a joke about what's eventually going to be my third hour about him. And so I always ask, is this something I can talk about? Because it's you know it's his life and it's his story. Um, and I'm just talking about my perspective of dealing with it as an older sister. And um, and I asked him if I could write this story about how it felt to watch my little brother go through this and be in and out of hospitals Ooh. and you know um, be psychotic and um, and so I, I want to talk about it because I actually talk about mental illness a lot because it's a part of my life. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about it and do the storytelling show where I, I talk about something a little more in depth than I do in a joke because a joke is you know anywhere from 30 seconds to maybe two minutes long and it has to be funny while a story is actually talking about the progression of where, in some ways, where those jokes come from, which is me and my family can laugh about some of the batshit crazy stuff my brother That's has done. That's my family. Like my brother is without – he's – has a lot of issues also. Yeah. And my family and I, we joke around it. And if people didn't know, like people are like, oh my God, you make fun of your, whatever, my yeah. brother's addiction. Yeah. Like, yeah, because it's the only way you can truly get, get Absolutely. through it. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we were joking about it when it was actually happening. We were joking about it when he was healthy and we're able to joke about it with him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my brother was in a mental hospital and he wrote, fuck this place and ketchup and mustard. And so now whenever like he doesn't like the food, I was like, should we get the ketchup and mustard, buddy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he's able to, I mean, he's one of the funniest people I've ever and met. How old is he? He's 22. And he started having problems when he was 19. So, like, kind of out of nowhere? Well, I don't want to get too personal, but out of nowhere? Or? Um, a little bit. I mean, it runs in my family. So both my grandmothers were mentally ill. So, um, And then my, my parents both have had their issues. And he kind of suffered from depression in high school. But, I mean, we all kind of suffered from depression. So it didn't seem like that big of a sign. Um, but then he went off to college, and he started doing some batshit crazy stuff. With my family, I will say my brother's addiction. He's clean today. He's doing well now. But when it first happened, you don't know how to deal with it. Absolutely. So you like, you shut out the whole world. And you know what was crazy? We'll get like personal before we finish up. I remember like walking down the street when like he went to his like first or second rehab. He like set the world record to go to rehabs. He went to like 15 of them or 17 of them. I remember like walking down. I'm like, and my f- world was over. Like my mom couldn't. My mom is my life. She couldn't do anything. And I'm like, I remember seeing people in like a cafe and like, how the fuck are you having like dinner? Like my life's falling apart. And that's how you think. Yeah. And then afterwards, like you realize there's nothing you can do. And all we do is make fun of it. I'll never get my, my mom. My favorite story of my mom is she had to throw my brother out. He was, yeah. he's an addict. And she throws him out. I don't think I've ever told the story to anybody. And he snuck back in the house. And she's like, I told you to get out. And he's like, I'm taking a shower. She's like, that's the first time you've ever been fucking clean. Now get like, yeah. <laughs> Her and I laughed about it. And there was other people in the house like, who the fuck is this? This is why yeah. he's on drugs. Look yeah, at his fucking yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, you have to laugh at it. Oh, like, absolutely. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I tell a story like my mom, like my mom a couple months ago sat my brother down and said, my goal for you this year is for you not to be hospitalized. 
and my brother was like, well, then stop calling the cops on me, mom. <laughs> She's like, if you, he's like, if you don't want me to go, then why do they keep taking me? <laughs> my, my brother, uh, this is like personal. We should have started up with this and not the date. <laughs> my, my mom would have to, you know, throw my brother out and he got, you know, he got sent away. He had to go to jail. He kept violating his thing with drugs and stuff. And my mom called up, Jason, I miss you so much. He, called, he goes, well, stop calling. Stop writing me out every time yeah, you judge yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop taking yeah, my piss. This is what's going on. It's your yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. Like, and I, I, like he would come home, and I'm like, Jay, you just, what are you eating? Like, you just got out of jail? He's like, real fuck. Like, he just really got out of jail. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you don't make a joke about it. And when you tell other people who don't deal with addiction or any kind of other issues, yeah. they're like, your family is fucked. Like, but I also it? think it's the reason I'm funny. My mom is hilarious. My fa- All my siblings are hilarious. Like, I do not, cr- like, anything that's inside me has just been pulled out. But it, my, it's just my family is like that. My mm-hmm. mom likes dead baby jokes. Yeah. My mom had five kids. She loves dead baby jokes. Do you know my, I'm not going to say now because I, I don't want people to think my, but my mom and I have such a sick sense. It's yeah. actually uncomfortable. Like, yeah. uh, like, I'll text her stuff, and she's like, don't text me that. If anyone's ever reading out. My mom always says I'm going to go to hell, but she's always laughing. Oh, always. My, I call my mom up, like, Ma, did you just see this story about so-and-so dying? She's like, yeah. I've been cracking up. And she's like, don't text it to me, because she thinks, like, yeah, she read yeah, the Snowden you, book, so she's it, like, yeah, NSA's if you text on it, Yeah, if you text it, both God and the I CIA, said, but no. <laughs> I said, Mom, really, if the government's watching Mike Safosnick yeah. texting his yeah, mom yeah, yeah. about this guy who fell off a cliff in India, like, <laughs> But she tells like she calls me up. She's like, "Hey, uh, did you see the news this morning?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "Oh, and she, she won't text it. It's great." She's like, "Just a uh, Google <laughs> man eaten by leopard." <laughs> it's the greatest story you ever heard. I'm like, all right. I Ma. like the idea that she like looks both ways. Oh no, no, she she looks around. She's like, "Mike, don't tell anybody I'm laughing at this." I'm like, "Mom, I'm not gonna." Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We're a team. It's like, just it's just me, you, and Jesus. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, she she knows it to like I don't know. What to say she's really funny with her inappropriate stuff. Yeah, so yeah, good, yeah. So. that's the best. I mean, that's I I feel you. Well, good luck with your story. Thank you. Good luck with your future. Thank you. Um, I look forward we'll to We'll do this again s- in 14 years? No, you crazy? We're going to do it after our second date. Yeah, okay. After, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that chuckle came. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you LOL'd me with an emoji. Well, and then you just see me walking away <laughs> in a cab. <laughs> it's like, I, know, it's like, live. I remember where you live, live, live. <laughs> I had a great time. Yeah, uh, it was fun. I thought it was going to be a train wreck. So. Did you really? Yeah, you really did. Was it a trend? Now we can just no, do, we'll great. do a personal review. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah, let's review the podcast. No, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah. That's it. You did a great job. Thank you. You were very good, too. You started off good. I think the whole date thing. Really broke the ice. Yeah. We yeah. broke a little too much. Yeah, no. I sounded uh, amazing. And you, <laughs> yeah. Sounded kind of like Yeah. But keep in nice. mind, let's, we're on this. We're, are you single? I am single. We're both single. See? It's, it's one of those things where, like, I can pretend I'm better than you. But, uh, yeah, we're both together. Uh, we're, bo- we're both alone. You, you, you have a cat. I've run 100 Goonie action figures in my house. And you, you're winning because you have someone you can talk to. I can't talk to little little yeah, mouth figure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my cat does respond. But Obviously. Yeah, you're yeah. wearing a cat shirt right now. I am wearing a cat shirt. Well, I had a great time. Thank you I again. Did. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, after our second date, yeah. I will uh, let everybody know what's going on. Great. Because that, that's going to be like the, the theme of the thing. Like, oh, yeah, I've, ar- I've actually blocked you already. I don't. Wait, <laughs> wait let's finish with this. So I emailed you yeah. first. And I'm like, yeah. hey, hope you're doing well. Give me like a list of your upcoming shows. And you did. You sent me. And I'm like, oh, I followed you on Twitter. And you followed back. Yeah. And then she unfollowed. And I'm like, you stopped following me. I'm like, this is kind of weird. You it was, It was honestly, I, you made me uncomfortable. Oh, re- oh my God. I feel really creepy. Turn this on. I feel really creepy now. You don't feel – it's not creepy. I just didn't – I didn't – You know what? You're right because you don't know me. Like I've grown as a person uh, with all my charity. Hypothetically. I, with all my charity I do. <laughs> with spending all my time at the soup kitchen now, I, I wouldn't even have time to date you. But Yeah, yeah. I, I easily get freaked out. 
Yeah, and you were young and you were in love. I yeah, understand. yeah, um, yeah. And I, you know what? Looking back now, you know what's when I, if I go on a date now, I have no problems. Like, hey, come to Sunday Fun Day with my friends. We're gonna hang out. Yeah. You don't realize how weird that is to the person. Cause like, it's like, no, I'm not weird. You don't know me. Like when you yeah. talk online, I'm like, no, I. I'm and don't get me wrong. When I, it's funny when I date somebody, I like, you know. I, that's always the the nice part is when they do invite you to go meet their friends because a they want you to see that person. I'm so they, proud of you, Liz. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> but but also you know you get to see how that person reacts around other people and so who I am when I'm on one on one with somebody whether it's a girlfriend or with a guy is very different than who I am with a group of people and that is a very essential part to dating. But to go from I don't know you to oh my god I now know I never want to see you again. To come back to my place. I mean it was good. French you saved kiss, me yeah. so much time. You, you saved know, me so much time. I would have broken your heart because I was like kind of an a hole back then. Yeah, well I was dead inside. So see now, like I, literally I did not have emotions. Let me ask you this: If I because I'm like Dexter now, and it, it actually no really it, it's actually a a hindrance like a, it hinders my relationships. I'm just Dexter. I have no I don't like anybody. Like yeah. If I would have lied to you and like. Oh, took you on all these romantic dates. I probably would have got to second base, right? Um, I don't know. I threw garbage. We threw garbage at each other, and you made out with me. I think I could have got a second date. Yeah, I didn't want to. Just don't so you know. No, no, just say you wanted to. Just so I feel good. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. All right, I agree. We can't. Yeah, I'm gonna keep fun. trying. Yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me.